Emmy award-winning comedian John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that will stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A. debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time only on Netflix. Hello, Los Angeles. Welcome to Love It or Leave It. So nice to see you all. So this is a bunch of uh, succession spoiler jokes (laughs) that I will be peppering in the other jokes. So if anyone here is not caught up, you've missed your window. (laughs) Welcome to Love It or Leave It, Live or Else, a challenge we meant as a joke that a certain California senator has taken too seriously. (laughs) We have a great show for you this week. Blair Saki, Aparna Nancherla, and Jenna Friedman read some girl news. It's like gay news, but different in one critical way. Joe Mantegna is here. So cool. And he wants you to guess if he was in this, plus the rant wheel spins. But first, let's get into it. What a week. In a Today Show interview ahead of the White House Easter egg roll on Monday, President Biden said of his 2024 plans. Well, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. <laughs> Biden's like the frosting guy who writes, congratulations, Madison, in blue frosting, directly on the cake. <laughs> The Democratic National Committee has announced that the convention will be held in Chicago in 2024. Chicago was chosen to commemorate the birthplace of finally catching supervillains not for their worst crimes, but for tax fraud. (laughs) The DNC going back to Chicago for the convention is like me going back to a diner for oysters. Sure, I remember what happened, but this time will be different. (laughs) Honestly, though, I think it's brave of Democrats to bring the convention back to Chicago after the famous horror happened there in this past convention. I think it's sweet. They look so guileless and happy. Before social media, it was a better time for doing whatever that was. Fox News was sanctioned this week by the Delaware Superior Court for withholding evidence in the Dominion voting system's defamation suit. Do you know how corrupt your business has to be to get in? Yeah, yes, applaud legal consequences. Do you know how corrupt your business has to be to get in trouble in Delaware? It's the Cayman Islands of the U.S. Every company incorporated there gets unlimited tax breaks and a personal smooch from Chris Coons. Fox, to use the legal term, done goofed bad. In an interview with Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump claimed Manhattan courthouse employees apologized to him for his arraignment last week. And I'll tell you, people were crying. People that work there, professionally work there, that have no problems putting in murderers and they see everybody. And they were crying. They were actually crying. They said, I'm sorry. Uh, They'd say, 2024, sir, 2024. And tears are pouring down their eyes. It's awesome. It's awesome. I I bet he really believes it. It rules. What a way to live. But a law enforcement source told Yahoo News that this was absolute BS and no one was crying or apologizing. The giveaway isn't that a New York City municipal employee would be pro-Trump. It's that a New York City municipal employee would emote under any circumstances. <laughs> These people are hardened. Do you know what you see when you work in a New York City courthouse? It's not all lotto winners marrying diner waitresses, I'll tell you that much. 
if, any, <laughs> if anyone is crying in that building, it's going to be whoever showed up to the kiosk without their paperwork. The source said Trump's visit was actually pretty routine, except that his fingers were too dry. This is real. His fingers were too dry to be fingerprinted. So DA, yes, yes. So DA employees had to give the former president lotion. Honestly, if Trump needed to borrow lotion from somebody, he could have just asked any of the MSNBC reporters covering the proceedings. <laughs> Trump has basically mummified himself on Diet Coke and oversalted restaurant food that he is so dehydrated and desiccated that his fingers are too dry to be fingerprinted. He is a criminal icon. Trump also told Tucker Carlson that Biden abandoned dogs when the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan, saying this. They left the dogs, by the way. You know, the people they say left about the dogs? the dogs. They left the dogs. Everyone, you know, the dog lovers. And you got a lot of them. I love dogs. You love dogs. But they left the dogs. People said, what? One of the first questions I got, what did they do with the dogs? It is true. We did leave dogs. But we also left them a lot of bones to play with. <laughs> Boy, that response was limper than Logan Roy's dead body slumped over on a toilet. <laughs> this room's so dead, I'm about to hold my phone up next to its ear so Kendall, Roman, and Shiv can say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But previous reporting tells us that Trump actually hates dogs. His ex-wife Ivana wrote in her memoir that he never got along with her poodle, Chappie. But that might have something to do with the fact that the dog was affectionately named after Trump's fucked up dry ass fingers. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Trump used his crunchy, dusty hands to file. <laughs> Trump used his crunchy, dusty hands to file a lawsuit against one-time attorney Michael Cohen for breach of contract this week, saying Cohen owes $500 million in damage. What sucks is Trump actually has a pretty good case against Michael Cohen. Your lawyer can't go on TV and just reveal your private conversations for years. You can't write books and do podcasts about your clients. That's the whole deal. That's the whole point of lawyers. Reverse priests can't tell anyone and help you figure out how not to seek forgiveness. <laughs> Our only solace is that Michael Cohen radiates, I sleep in my ex-wife's parents' rec room energy. So there's <laughs> no way Trump is getting a dime out of him. And then today, Trump appeared at yet another hearing, this one regarding the civil fraud suit brought against him by New York Attorney General Letitia James, an entirely different case. Trump is in a vaudevillian level of trouble. Hello? I'm calling about my fraud. No, not that one, the other one. That's it. That's vaudevillian level of fraud. <laughs> I expected a laugh there, but much like Connor Roy expecting his father, Logan Roy, to come to his wedding, I am left disappointed because Logan wasn't coming to the wedding and then also died. <laughs> It sucks that Trump is in this insane situation and he isn't even charming enough to have fun with it. You know that if Bill Clinton had to check in with the same receptionist for two different criminal cases in one week, he'd be like, we gotta stop. We gotta stop meeting like this. All right. <laughs> that joke flopped harder than Succession's Logan Roy when he keeled over in that airplane bathroom. Some of them are killing. These jokes are good. In this lawsuit, Trump and his adult children stand accused of committing staggering fraud by lying about the value of their holdings by billions of dollars. But they were only staggering their way to fraud because Don Jr. mixed up his pills. 
On Monday, the Justice Department sought a stay of Judge Matthew Kaczmarek's suspension of the FDA's approval of Mifepristone, one of the two pills used for medication abortions, which makes up most of the abortions in the U.S. The other pill enables you to understand what is actually happening outside the illusion of the matrix, giving you valuable perspective into why the old white dudes want to force you to procreate so badly. The Fifth Circuit ruled on Thursday, staying part of the bunker's order, specifically the one that reverses the decision from the year 2000, but allows part of the order to stand, which reverses the FDA's decision to make Mifepristone more accessible in recent years. At the same time, the judge in Washington issued a contradictory ruling telling the FDA it must continue to make Mifepristone as available as ever, which means relief will have to come from the Supreme Court. Good luck, guys. The only relief that anyone's getting in the Supreme Court is coming from Harlan Crow's generously donated luxury massage chairs. There's something about, like, uh, I'll do whatever you want. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Out of an abundance of caution, Democratic states like Massachusetts, Washington, Maine, and Maryland moved to stockpile mifepristone for their residents through a variety of avenues, from having universities bulk order the pill to passing legislation to protect pharmacies. Hear me out. Let's not stockpile it. Let's get it to the people. Let's load up trains all over the country, close our eyes, and let nature take its course. (laughs) Meanwhile, after reporting that multiple women nearly died after being sent home because the hospital was unable to perform medically necessary abortions, a bill to exempt women in this specific circumstance from Florida's 15-week abortion ban was voted down by Republican lawmakers, who then went even further, passing an even more draconian six-week ban into law earlier today. Now the only place to get an abortion in Florida is the Norway Pavilion of Epcot World Showcase. (laughs) Not because Norway's laws apply, there's just a guy there who will do it. Said one anonymous source, Gorsh, ask for Kyle. (laughs) California Senator Dianne Feinstein has been absent from the Senate for several weeks with a case of shingles and has not given a return date. I know a phony excuse when I see one. First the Kardashians and now Feinstein. Seems like everyone is getting their butt implants taken out. Senator Feinstein has missed 60 out of 82 votes this year, and in her absence, the Judiciary Committee is unable to send progressive judicial nominees to the floor at a time when President Biden and the Democratic majority are trying to confirm as many judges as possible after McConnell and Trump spent years stacking the court with fascist womb hunters. (laughs) After the chair of the Judiciary Committee, Dick Durbin, who was chair in part because it was clear that Feinstein was no longer fit to be ranking member or chair, told CNN that Feinstein's absence was slowing down the confirmation process, the calls for her resignation began coming from inside the House. Ro Khanna and other House Democrats began calling for Feinstein to resign for the first time. The Durbin comments had me reeling, so I yelled about it on Pod Save America, and then Fox News and the New York Post picked it up because they love Democrat on Democratic violence. <laughs> I just want to note to the people who said to me it was sexist, ageist, and or ableist to call on Feinstein to resign, I want you to know something. I hear you. I see you. I think it's amazing that you can function in the world with zero critical thinking skills. In the wake of this kerfuffle, Feinstein acknowledged the cost of her absence and asked Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to ask the Senate to provide for a temporary replacement on the Judiciary Committee. This requires 60 votes. So the question is, how much was that hug worth to Lindsey Graham? I suppose we'll find out soon enough. Oh, it's sexist to suggest that a 
89-year-old senator who has had reporting that she's unfit to serve already, that is more than, what, a year and a half ago we started hearing those reports, is now completely absent. She's preventing us from confirming pro-choice, pro-gay, pro-worker, pro-environment fucking judges, and it's ableist and sexist to say we should have somebody in our senator's job. We're already underrepresented in the fucking Senate. We already only get two, and so does Wyoming, which we all know is horseshit, and we can't fucking fix it. Now we only get one working senator? Bullshit. And now we'll see what happens, because now Senator Feinstein has said that she understands that her absence from the Judiciary Committee has real consequences. There's one of two possibilities. Senate Republicans will be kind, or we will have to figure out what to do because they won't allow us to put a temporary replacement on the Judiciary Committee. But either way, we need to vote people out of the Judiciary Committee, and it's not her seat, it's our seat. You know, it's like a storied career. It's a shame that at the end of a storied career, she was the mayor of San Francisco. She did a lot of good at a very difficult time. Meanwhile, Harlan Crow, <laughs> Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's billionaire sugar daddy, reportedly collects Nazi memorabilia. When reached for comment, Crow said, before you call me a racist, you should know that I've also acquired another rare, expensive collectible, a black friend. <laughs> Crow has explained that he collects all this Nazi stuff because he hates fascism. It's the same reason Lindsey Graham owns all that RuPaul Drag Race merch. RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> it's the same. Fuck it. Leave it. It's fine. You get it. RuPaul stuff. Yeah. Is he gay? Whatever. Adding, that's the joke there. And adding to the growing case against Justice Thomas's corruption, it was recently uncovered that Thomas never disclosed that Harlan Crow bought property from him and owned the house that Thomas's mother-in-law lives in to this day. He also, I think, fixed it up for her, apparently. Not disclosing this kind of a real estate transaction is called illegal. <laughs> Might as well call Clarence Thomas an old lady with shingles that I'm bullying on the internet because that guy needs to resign. <laughs> on Monday, Nashville's city council unanimously voted to appoint Justin Jones back to his seat in the Tennessee legislature. Days after Republicans expelled him and Justin Pearson for participating in a gun control protest. Because unfortunately, while the expulsion was valid, the Republicans forgot to file the all-important no-backsies resolution. <laughs> then on Wednesday, the city council in Memphis also voted to reappoint Justin Pearson, who stated in the New York Times that he wasn't elected to be pushed to the back of the room and silenced. This just in, this Justin in, and it's just in time. <laughs> Thank you. That response was so warm, there's no way anyone could mistake it for the corpse of Logan Roy. <laughs> Over in Florida, Republican Webster Barnaby apologized Monday for calling trans people mutants, demons, and imps during a hearing on the bathroom bill. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons and all of your imps who come and parade before us. That's right, I called you demons and imps. Jesus. He is yet to apologize for that Dickensian-ass name. Webster Barnaby, what are you? A bumbling oaf courting a beloved sister of the protagonist? <laughs> he went on to say this. I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that, when you watch the X-Men movies for Marvel Comics... <laughs> It's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And of course, we all remember the heroes in the X-Men movies, the people who spread fear and hate about X-Men. 
<laughs> just completely missing the point of those films. During a debate about gender-affirming care, which he is, of course, against, Missouri State Senator Mike Moon defended children being able to marry at age 12. You voted no on making it illegal for kids to be married to adults at the age of 12 if their parents consented to it. You said, actually, that should be the law because it's the parents' right and the kids' right to decide what's best for them, to be raped by an adult. Okay? Do you know any kids who have been With married marriage. at age 12? That any, was the law. You, know you voted kids? not to change it. Do you know any kids who have been married at age 12? I, I, I don't need to. I do. Uh, and guess what? They're still married. Oh! Yuck. Remember how much middle school sucked? <laughs> now imagine starting it as a divorcee. <laughs> We're really going for it tonight. Pentagon officials spent the holiday weekend scrambling to understand how dozens of highly classified intelligence documents wound up on social media, the worst U.S. intelligence breach in a decade. Unfortunately, the answer seems to be some weird guy put them there. (laughs) And honestly, we could have told you that. The documents were reportedly leaked on an invite-only Discord called Thug Shaker Central, where, according to the New York Times, 20 to 30 young men chatted about their shared love of guns, racist memes, and video games. Ah, yes, the incels live, laugh, love. (laughs) You don't have to leak sensitive military intelligence to impress those guys. You can just write, I have a girlfriend. (laughs) They can prove that you don't. The documents include tactical information about the war in Ukraine, provide a rare window about how the U.S. spies on both its foes and its allies. The mood is anger, one Defense Department official told Politico. It's a massive betrayal. I can't imagine how you feel, said an Afghan translator in a Taliban prison. That was the one. That was the one that was too much. This room is so dead, I'm about to hold my phone up. Next to its ear, so Kendall, Roman, and Shiv can say goodbye. <laughs> now that you've warmed up, in horrific news that we all want to ignore but can't, the literal Dalai Lama had to apologize. I know, I know. What do we, what do we, you just want to just pretend you never saw it, but you did see it. We all fucking saw it. Don't look away. Anyway, the Dalai Lama had apologized for kissing a little boy and asking the child to suck his tongue. That's what happened. <laughs> That's the story They're from the news. That was the news this week about the Dalai Lama. And sure, he's canceled, but 14 incarnations, it's a pretty good run. In a statement from his office, the Dalai Lama said he wished to apologize to the boy and his family. His holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. The statement goes on. And when he's not doing that, he's asking little boys to suck his tongue. A truck carrying 40,000 pounds of toxic soil from the East Palestine train derailment overturned on an Ohio freeway this week, spilling half of the soil onto the roadway. It's another major embarrassment for Transportation Secretary Lucille Ball. (laughs) This just in. Oh, this is a relief. The soil from the crashed truck, from the crashed train, is being hauled away safely by a 1930s-era Zeppelin filled with hydrogen. (laughs) 
the FBI has warned the public against using free phone chargers in airports, hotels, and shopping centers, saying bad actors have managed to use public chargers to infect devices with malware, a scheme known as juice jacking, which is a way hornier name (laughs) than what is actually being described. You can avoid the danger of juice jacking by using your own cable and by plugging into electrical outlets instead of USB ports. But that doesn't sound like you, does it? You're going to raw dog it at the airport like you always do, you fucking freaks. (laughs) This week, the Journal of Cosmetic Dermatology published a new scientific article titled The Scrotum, a comparison of men's and women's aesthetic assessments. Here's the conclusion, and this is verbatim. Ultimately, it was barely possible to identify a beautiful scrotum. We We must instead speak of the least ugly. Must we, though? Must we? Scientists initially approached the study by scanning thousands of pictures of balls, but unfortunately, most of the data was tainted. Get one a week. One a week. As he prepares to portray Bob Dylan, Timothee Chalamet is reportedly working with the same vocal coach who trained Austin Butler for his turn as Elvis. Here we go. Only when the next victims get stuck in the voice of a great musical icon will my own curse be lifted. Thank you, Timothee. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. Well, everybody do it or no one do it. Five people clapping. The waste of fucking time. Being nice is free. Fucking animals. <laughs> the Yuba City Police Department appointed a rabbit named Percy as a wellness officer who will remain at the station as a support animal for the staff. The support he's offering, he knows how to get rid of body cam footage. <laughs> you, you odd so sweetly. Aww. Still a fucking cop. <laughs> And finally, Billy McFarlane, the architect behind the failed Firefest of 2018, announced on Twitter that Fire Festival 2 is finally happening. <laughs> Remember the guy who was willing to suck dick to secure water for the first festival? He's back, and you won't believe what he's willing to do this time. It's sucking dick. When we come back, when you're Reich, you're Reich. When we come back, we'll do more show. It's fine. And we're back. This week, Senate Democrats called for an investigation into Supreme Court justice. And according to the mug, Ginny bought him on their first anniversary, world's biggest sweetie pie, (laughs) Clarence Thomas. After it was revealed that Thomas accepted decades of lavish, all expenses paid vacations from Republican billionaire Harlan Crow, who, it's since been revealed, owns a collection of Nazi memorabilia and has, in his backyard, statues of historical dictators placed in what one might call a garden of evil. We also learned this week that Harlan Crow bought real estate from Clarence Thomas, which he also didn't disclose. And apparently we learned just earlier today that because of an interview she did, we know that uh, I think Clarence Thomas's mother or mother-in-law still lives in that place. Mother must be mother-in-law. Still lives there. Still living in Harlan Crow's house. It's interesting. Anyway, didn't disclose it, which is illegal. So the ProPublica oil seems to be lasting eight corrupt nights. <laughs> And by the time you hear this, perhaps even more weird Nazi garden shit may have come to light. Anyway, in order to help his friend Clarence, Harlan Crow is auctioning off some of his cherished keepsakes, but kind of like the B-list keepsakes, if we're being honest, to raise money for Thomas's potential legal defense fund. First up, 
We have a printout of the original Airbnb listing for Hitler's Bunker. <laughs> Look, we thought Airbnb launched in at least the 80s, but we've been wrong before. Let's see here. The text of the document reads, relax and keep your powder dry in this cozy concrete retreat located 28 feet below the bustling streets of Berlin. Let your mind wander, but not too far, through our 30 rustic rooms, perfect for those unplanned getaways and even the planned ones. So bite the bullet and reserve now. <laughs> Pets welcome. Really makes you sit back and think, about how Hitler was a pretty crummy guy. All right, the bidding is going to start off at one American dollar. Would anyone like to bid? Anyone? Oh, we have a bidder over there, Malcolm. What is wrong with you? Put your fucking hand down, you twisted son of a bitch. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're not some wealthy conservative with serotonin receptors so fried you can't enjoy a spring rain shower unless you're standing under the watchful marble gaze of Romanian dictator Nicolae Ceausescu. An actual statue in Harlan Crow's Garden of Evil? Grow up and get a life. All right, thank you, everyone. <laughs> we come back. Joe Montaigne's here. Kate, hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. <laughs> Pushing it all the way down, getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. <laughs> Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight <laughs> it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. <laughs> when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the, the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest. With BetterHelp, everybody needs therapy. You need therapy, I need therapy, Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Ready for an amazing deal? Breezeline's fiber powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to one gig and our two year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at breezeline.com. 
You've heard him voice iconic characters. You've seen him solve unspeakable murders. Hopefully, he'll only have to do one of those things tonight. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to the stage, the incomparable star, Joe Montagna. Hi. I might do both of them tonight. I don't know. You could do both. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. It's good to see you. Good to be seen. Such a fan of yours. Well, thank you. It's exciting to have you here. Thank you. Did you know what this show was? No, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. That happens. Yeah. Did you think John Lovitz? I did. No, but I, you know, but it didn't matter. I mean, you know, that, didn't that's matter. fine. No, it's fine. Know. Yeah, and no. I wasn't even sure up until this morning. I mean, my wife went online, and she says, I don't think it's the same guy, you know. And I, uh... I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had an instinct. Yeah. No, it's yeah. good. It's all, it's all good. But it's fine. It's fine. You're Absolutely. okay. Absolutely. I'm fine with it. You're happy I, to be no, here. I worked with John. I hosted Saturday Night Live years ago, and he was part of the cast then. So now I'm here with you. So this is good. I've done, I've done, you know. <laughs> it's the yeah. grand slam. I got, you know. Yeah. So far, which is a more memorable experience? You don't have to answer that. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you know. All right. I have a couple questions. Okay. All right? Yeah. You were in the 1996 horror film Thinner. I was. Based on a book written by Richard Bachman, which, of course, was Stephen King's pseudonym. Okay. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Okay. Don't you think it would have been more satisfying if he had eaten the pie at the end? You know, instead of making other people do it? You know, what I found interesting about that movie is because I also did the book on tape of that, of oh, that really? as it turned out. Cool. And so I kind of already knew what was going to happen, you know, when I got the part. But it didn't have a happy ending, which I thought was weird, because I thought they were going to change the movie because it's pretty, it's pretty dark. It is dark. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have that ending where the kid dies, the mother dies, the wife dies. Everybody dies in that movie. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. for the night... <laughs> For the 1996 film yeah, yeah. Thinner. Yes, exactly. It's, it's a, a fun romp through, you know, uh, whatever. Don't you think it's interesting that in that film, yeah. there's a curse in the film? Yeah. There's one part of the curse, which is no matter how much you eat, no matter what you do, you get thinner and thinner and thinner. Right. And we call that Ozempic. <laughs> and then at the end, there's a way to turn it off. The pie turns it off. There's an off switch, which right. is stopping Ozempic. Right, right. I think these Romani in the movie were leaving a lot of money on the table. That could be. One person's curse in Hollywood. I mean, there's a lot of people that will be like, so I get thinner and thinner until I die, but what's the catch? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think they should start marketing this pie and, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Okay. So I saw that you said about The Simpsons that you like to voice Fat Tony no matter what. Yeah, I do. You know, it's the same thing like when I'm doing a movie sometimes or, or whatever it may be. And they'll say, we decided to put in the scene of, of, you know, like you grabbing something, but you don't have to do the scene. We'll just have somebody else like do it. And I say, well, you no, know, but I'll know it's not my hand. You know what I mean? So yeah. even a little thing like that. So, I mean, I, I've been doing The Simpsons now for this will be my 33rd year playing Fat Tony. That's wild. And so, but my feeling is like, even if it's just one word. I want to be able to be the one that says that word because even if they say, well, nobody will know the difference. It's just a word. But I mean, I'll know the difference. And it's like, you know, that'd be like somebody being, you know, they're going to be you for a minute. So you could take a break and then, you know, and we know that can't happen. right? Can't happen. Can't Won't happen. allow it. Yeah. Won't allow it. <laughs> then the illusion will be broken. Yes, exactly. Do you, as someone who's been working and, and, and so committed to what you're doing for so long, do you see young actors who kind of take it for granted and say, oh, you're not, like when, when they're shooting, say, the other direction, says, oh, use my stand and I don't feel like being here anymore? To me, that's the difference between, you know, the pros and somebody really who isn't. And what's interesting is the higher up the food chain you go, 
the more likely it is that they're going to be the kind of person that will be there for the off camera and do all like that. It's usually the ones that are like are not where they think they should be, and kind of use that as like a power thing of like, no, I'm going to you know let, let the stand in, you know. But you know, but they don't think, make it. They no, don't last. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel blessed because I grew up, I mean, I met actors, people like Cary Grant and, you know, people that your parents know and your grandparents know, but like Cary Grant or, or uh, Gregory Peck and people like that who just had, you know, I had a lot of class and stuff like that. And I just think at my age, I've kind of feel like like to start to perpetuate that as much as possible. I like that. If possible. Uh, so uh, you've been on Criminal Minds for a long time. Long time, yeah. What do you think is the, uh, the weirdest... Uh, Murder situation. Oh man, it's all weird that show. It's, what about, I, Everything is weird on our show. There was a human-sized marionettes there at was. one point. Do you remember that one? I do. Does but that my stick dear with you? friend, dear friend Matthew Gubler, who plays Doctor Reed on the show, he loves those kinds of episodes. He directed that particular one. I remember. And so we had so the he's human a marionettes, freak. and that was not, he's a real freak. He's he's a little freaky. <laughs> Matthew, but he's he's wonderful. I love him to death. He's like he's like my son. I love the kid. Yeah, we do we do a lot of freaky stuff. There was another freaky episode. I thought was I was I've been on a show like I'm still we're still doing it. I'll be my fifteenth years doing it this season. But anyway, I think my very first season there was an episode where there was there was something going on and they had people volunteering to looking for somebody who's missing. Mm-hmm. And so this guy had volunteered to run the the stand that gives you refreshments. And what he was doing was he was taking people. And making chili out of them. <laughs> and that was the refreshments that he was handing out. What a criminal mind. Yeah, I would say that's a criminal mind. Because uh, <laughs> there was a great line at the end of that episode where, where, where a priest character says to the guy, Don't you realize God is in you or something? And, and the guy came back with something like, and, Oh, yo, and mentions the girl who's missing. And Janet is like, a little bit of her and everybody, too, you know. <laughs> And I thought it was like about my third episode. I thought, okay, so this is what I'm going to be doing for possibly the next 15 years. <laughs> but it's all, it's all good. Do you ever wanted to say, hey, listen, let's try something different. Let's not catch him. We don't always catch him. No, you don't always don't, catch no, him? No, there's been a couple instances where we don't catch him. They just get away with it. They do get away because in life they do get away with in it. In life they do get away with and, it. And but we, not the chili cannibal guy. We, we hopefully that one got caught because uh, it is patterned pretty much off of real stuff that's happened. That's what's weird oh, too because yeah. we're not. it's not like one of these Marvel shows that it's about f- fantasy things. There is a behavior analysis unit with the FBI. I've been to Quantico numerous times and met the people who do this job. It's just weird to think, wow, somebody does this for a living every day and has to, you know, deal with that. Thank God we have these people to do that. One of them, like, leans over and whispers, I have no one else to tell this. I tried the chili. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just don't have the chili in the calf. At the, uh, Quantico, that's all. So, as we've discussed, you've had a long and storied career. I remember Bobby Fischer. You're amazing Searching that movie. for Bobby Fischer. Searching for oh, Bobby yeah. Fischer. It's a nice movie. Well, you know, that's a testament to the writer, Steve Zalian, because I remember we were working on it, we're getting near the end of it, and he, was, he had directed it as well, it was his first time directing, but he wrote the script. It was such a beautiful script, you know, you had Ben Kingsley in the movie, and Lawrence Fishburne, and it was just Joan Allen, wonderful cast, and just a great, great script. But I remember we were on one of the last couple of days of filming, and I see him scribbling in the corner, you know, during a break, you know, really, I said... Steve, what's the matter? And why are you in such a... He goes, I'm writing this movie for uh, Steven Spielberg. It's the next film. I'm not directing it, but I'm writing it for him, and I'm kind of behind, and I'm trying to catch up. I go, what's the name of the movie? And he says, Schindler's List. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, Schindler's List. I'm thinking like five easy pieces. So I'm saying, so what is, it's like about a guy that goes to the grocery store with, with the list, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And he says, yeah, not quite. Not quite. You know. It's like Ocean's Eleven, Schindler's List. Yeah, it's exactly. Like a heist. I thought it was a list movie. You know, I mean, it was a list movie, but on a whole other level than yeah, I expected. A different kind of list. Different kind of list. <laughs> Needless to say, he's done very well with, uh, <laughs> with that movie and with Schindler's List. You were sitting there, and he goes, "I got this crazy idea. Full color, bright as you can make it." Yeah. He's like, oh, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, left track, the whole thing. Yeah. So. Now you've had we've as we've discussed you've had this long and story career and we would like we I'm enjoying these stories and and I'm sure you have more of them and also it's nice when we have a great person come and tell stories it's less work for me I got it I also only have a couple stories and one of them is no one will buy my Tesla uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know I can't I've gotten enough juice out I of that lemon I, you know, I, I, no whatever <laughs> the way things are going everybody's going to be driving a Tesla so you know oh I hope not. Well, They'll I, be so disappointed. I, what with the rattling? Yeah. <laughs> I drive one. Don't doesn't it rattle? It does rattle. <laughs> but I don't have to stop at a gas station. That's that's one. Yeah, sure. Thing. But can't we have both? I know. I know. It's still in early stages. You know, it feels it's like, like the Model T of electric cars. Yeah, you know? that's right. So we're gonna play a round of Was I in this? Right. I may lose that contest. Now, I, 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 <laughs> now uh, yeah. for those listening at home, we have a Where's Waldo oh, right. with Joe. Oh, I, was, I thought there uh, was an outfit I used to wear in something. <laughs> right, do you want to read these to yeah, the people? Okay. Yeah, here we go. All right. Uh, hi, what's your name? My name's Elizabeth. My son watched all 32 seasons of The Simpsons at the time during pandemic schooling online. So really? I know that one. I know Fat Tony. That's about it. Is Fat Tony your favorite character, though? I'm going to pass. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. Yes. Have you, it, sometimes I Correct think no answer. one. It's, ooh, I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. Sure. That's my uncle Willie's voice, by the way. Really? Because when I when I got cast in The Simpsons, the movie Godfather Three had just come out. So, and, and at the time, this was 1991. The movie, you know, it was, it was a big gangster movie, very anticipated because yeah. of the, the history of the first two Godfather movies. So I played the, the villain in that, I'm Joey Zaza in Godfather Three. So here I get cast now as this character Fat Tony, and I thought it was just going to be one episode, like that's it, boop, I'll do it, that's it. But I go in and I'm thinking the Godfather movie was still playing in the theaters, and I'm thinking I can't be the same guy. I don't want to be, you know, Joey Zaza and Fat Tony, and it's like, oh, it's the same guy, you know. Right in the spur of the moment, as, as we're there recording the episode, I said, I'll just do my Uncle Willie's voice because my Uncle Willie talks like this, <laughs> and and I, I thought if I just do it and they don't say stop, I'll just keep going, and so I did. I mean, that was I did 30 it years ago. Yeah, it was 32 <laughs> years ago. Uh, and you know, and as it worked, I never said stop. And, and when it was over, I went, "Okay, great, Willie will get a kick out of it and all that." And little did I know that they kept calling me back. <laughs> what did Willie think of it? Oh, he loved it. I brought him to the set like four or five years into it. I says, oh, "I want you to meet somebody." He walks in, he goes, "How you doing, everybody? Nice to see you." <laughs> and they're all like, "Oh, that's it! <laughs> it's him! It's that's Ground right. Zero for Fat Tony!" You know. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, okay. I played myself on two episodes of HBO's Barry, True or False. And for an extra point, name one of those episodes, All the Sauces and Crazy Time Shit Show. Well, those are the answers. So, yes. (laughs) Yes. Those were were the answers? Those Those were the answers. Yes. Yes. You got it. Yes. Woo. Oh, there you go. See, but that's another show I knew nothing about. And then, of course, my daughters, who are obviously younger than I am, said, Dad, you don't know about Barry? I mean, you know, and of course, it was great. I mean, what a, what a thrill. So I got, and I, got to, yeah, I got to play myself, so. Hi, what's your name? I'm Chad. I actually just watched House of Games like two days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you just want the answer to the next question. <laughs> 
The, the question was, was I in the movie uh, House of Cards or something, right? Or something? <laughs> you can pick what. Just read any question you want. Whatever. Did you like the movie? Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you good. got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He won. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. You can pick yeah. any question. Okay. <laughs> I am the current... No, I'm definitely not the current chairman of the American-Italian... <laughs> You keep giving away the answer. I do? That's the whole, that was the question. Oh. It was up to him to tell you know what you're going <laughs> to. All, right. all right. You're going to get the, here's the thing, here's the thing. Yeah. If you get them all right, you win. If you get them all wrong, you get to be the senator from California. Great. Okay, all right. Well, no, wait, I think I got this one now. I think I'm, I got to figure it out. I have a cameo in the upcoming Barbie movie. As much as I would love to see that, I'm going to go with no. That's true. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, now I'm getting the hang of it. You're getting the hang of it. It's okay. going great. I played Dean Martin in the HBO original movie, The Rat Pack. True or false? That's true. That a boy. <laughs> and I want to just tell you something. You know how I got the voice of you know, doing the research as I did for the role? I thought to myself, I want to, not that I'm trying to imitate him exactly, but I want to get at least in the ballpark. So to get the voice for Dean Martin... I'm thinking, how do you, how, what's, what's, I kept listening to his voice and interviews records. Then I realized it was the sugar bear from the sugar crisp commercials. The guy goes, can't get over them sugar crisp. Oh, I'm the sugar bear. <laughs> so, so like instead of saying, y'all can't get over them sugar crisp, I would say stuff like, oh, how'd all these people get in my room? <laughs> it's basically, right? <laughs> it's just, it's, you take that mascot. Take three fingers of scotch. That's it. That's it. You never know where, it's, where the inspiration's going to come. And for, in this case, it was from the sugar bear. So thank God for the sugar bear. That's a lesson for all of us. Yeah, it was. You want to do a couple more? Uh, it's up to you. It's your show. I think you've got it. All right. I was, in, I was in the Tom and Jerry movie. What do you think? What do you think, Betsy? False. It is false only because Warner Brothers wouldn't let us use that title. And so the movie had to be changed to Jerry and Tom. Ah. Because of the, you know, the, they were. They, I guess the cat and the mouse would get pissed that we took. Yeah, the, they, they, the cat and the mouse are very litigious. Okay. Okay. It says I hosted the first episode of Fear Factor before Joe Rogan took over. <laughs> Betsy, what do you think? False again. I could never watch people eat bugs for my job because that's how I unwind. That's true. <laughs> Joe Montaigne, everybody. Thank you. Everybody, check out Criminal Minds Evolution on Paramount Plus. That was so great. We'll be right back. And we're back. Because we're committed to the bit. Now it's time for our next item in our Hitler merch auction. I, I may just ditch it. It was the first Peloton. The idea of that whole thing was going to be that it was like, you know that we got those Nazi rocket scientists to help us with rockets? On the side, they helped us with the Peloton. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, 
but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Hey, it's Lovett, and I'm on my way to your city. And by on my way, I mean I'm still in the shower, but still, about to head out. Love It or Leave It live on tour is heading all over the country. We'll be in Charlotte, Asheville, Boston, Madison, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. And if we're not coming to your city this time, I'm sorry, the country is too big. Take it up with the pioneers. To learn more and get tickets, head to crooked.com slash events. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious... You'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else Tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. And we're back. Please welcome to the stage three of my favorite comedians, Aparna Charla, Jenna Friedman, and Blair Saki. Hi, Aparna. Hi. Hi, Jenna. Hi. Hi, Blair. Hi, John. How you doing? Good. Good. Happy to be here. Thrilled. Thrilled. It's fun to have Joe Montana. Oh my here. gosh, surreal. It's cool. You I all, you feeling... don't even want to know what we were doing in the green room. <laughs> what were you doing in the green room? Criminal yeah. minds. <laughs> yeah. We're watching it. Were you? Yeah, we we're watching Criminal Minds together. That's cool. Kendra, uh, our producer, has seen almost all of it. And it's part of her character. I love that about Kendra. <laughs> she also has a, a collection of antique muskets. Really? Yeah, we, have a, we keep a Google Doc of the weirdest shit about her. Whoa! Yeah, Whoa. that we, people can dump things into. I love how multidimensional Kendra is. <laughs> One other fact about Kendra is uh, she has a pet tortoise, but she keeps it in her mother's home. <laughs> And visits it from time to time. What? What? Yeah, wait, oh, wait, let's hear something. Malcolm, let's share some things from the actual real document. One, she has seen Jason Mraz in concert nine times. Wow. Uh, Two, she had a Legolas pillowcase growing up. Oh, Legolas. She wrote a book. You guys can check that out. It's very good. Um, And uh, she loves Ulysses S. Grant. It's her favorite president. Whoa. And those are a now introduced recurring segment, Kendra Facts. (laughs) That was great. And I'm sorry that you were here for that. Because I, I, I loved, loved that. Yeah, okay. that was great. Especially the tortoise. I think that's interesting, right? Yeah. I love the part about Ulysses S. Grant. Apparently Ulysses S. Grant wrote his own memoir. Is that is that like impressive not, to not have it ghostwritten? Did they do ghostwriters at the time? Do you think you could call up an agency and get some get someone <laughs> send someone over to Ulysses S. Grant's Obviously. house? Obviously. I they probably had uh the gals did that back yeah, then. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That uh, the the women in the shadows was yeah. writing them. It is probably it? was the women That's in the right? shadows. Yeah. 
<laughs> Betsy Ross. Betsy Get Ross, Betsy for example. Betsy Ross on the horn. <laughs> I didn't know people had favorite presidents anymore. I like that. Yeah. Do you have one? And don't say we who guess? we think you would say. Yeah. Yes, I do have a favorite president. All right. Wow. Barack Obama. Oh, well, you know, you sure. Have to but say, I have yes. to say it. But let's say Barack Obama, present company excluded, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of charisma on that guy. Yeah. yeah. Very charismatic. For sure. For sure. Barack Obama, very charismatic. It's That's not true. Polk. It's not James K. Polk. <laughs> You're Taft? right. Rutherford, it isn't Rutherford B. Hayes. Hey, are we going to go through all 45? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, it's not like a, it's not like a reach. You know, I'm not. You, you don't have to go deep into. You don't have Lincoln? to go d- close. Carter. Carter. <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> right. I love FDR's speeches. So yeah. when I was a speechwriter, sure. right. I love FDR's. Yeah. Speech. Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, at the 1936 Democratic Convention. A classic. <laughs> oh, boy. Did you say, oh, boy, before I... <laughs> this show exists because it is entertaining. You're here because you're expecting it to be entertaining. If I begin an anecdote and you say, oh, boy, <laughs> excitement? That's a famous... People, that's what people say when they're excited. They go, oh, boy. I love her enthusiasm. <laughs> anyway, the 19th, I'll be brief, but all I was going to say is that the 1936 Democratic Convention speech is a beautiful speech because he is foreshadowing the fact that he believes the United States is going to be involved in World War II. So it is a speech about the economic crisis, but also one girding the country for the fact that countries are giving up their democracy for the illusion of a living, which is a beautiful phrase. That was the point I wanted to make about FDR, which is why we're all here, a segment about President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Throw out these cards. It's now a test. <laughs> FDR, hell yeah. <laughs> so, the, actually, we, we're going to play, we're going to do a, a special round of girl news. But before we do, I just wanted to, we have three comedians on the stage who I love. And one thing that I've just been noticing is that there's something that seems to be happening to the hyper successful, almost exclusively, but not always, male comedians who achieve a certain like kind of level of super success and immediately start moving to the right. That they get to this certain level and they know they're losing touch. They even joke about losing touch, but they can't help but sort of become like anti-woke, anti-young people in some way, like become conservative. I'm just curious if like you've thought about that or what that path is or if there are any people that you see kind of skipping it. You want us to shit on our employers. <laughs> I have a, I have, my next special is going to be called Triggered so um, yeah the last truth teller yeah you're going to have one of those jokes that's like my pronouns are I love ice cream my pronouns are get a job <laughs> okay what about Jim Gaffigan still proudly blue I think do we know that for a fact? No. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe he could give me a job. The reason I bring it up is because I, I do think that there's this, like, pipeline that goes from the, like, Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais style of anti-woke comedy that, like, goes to the right. And I'm, like, thinking about, like, there's a lot of really great people 
who are pushing back against that. But there seems to be something that happens when people get to that level that they just sort of become like that. They become sort of frustrated by the idea of criticism. A lot of the comedy before the internet, what like the mainstream comedy was what you would classify as maybe more right-leaning. So maybe it's just people who are kind of staying in the lane they've always been in and frustrated by the fact that more people have microphones and then that kind of pushes them like into like a little more of a silo. Yeah. I think a lot of those people that are really rich and conservative were always conservative. So like Mm. they are just more open about it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of comedians, um, I hate to generalize, but we are very thin skinned. And then I think if you add money and wealth and nobody around you saying no, we're all going to have some bad ideas, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, a lot of those people, uh, without ruining my career, <laughs> I think like, they can be celebrated. Like, all these people come out of nowhere to support them, and now they, like, do arenas if they uh, make mistakes. Or it's like, <laughs> if a woman did, you've never seen a canceled woman do an arena. You know? Not mm-hmm. yet, but I'm opening for Roseanne. Yes! Um, Ooh. In a couple of weeks. No, I'm just kidding. I wish. <laughs> I would. Yeah, you should. I think it'd be cool. Roseanne, if you're listening, and I know Love It or Leave It is your favorite pod. <laughs> <laughs> My, My pronouns are, <laughs> let me open for you. <laughs> uh, tonight, we have a new spin on an old classic. It's one of Love It or Leave It's time-tested segments which is gay news, in which we joke about gay news, but in a clever inversion of expectations, we present girl news. Now, we usually say between gay news bits, but up, up, but up, but up, up, gay news. What did we decide we are going to do? Ladies. Oh, yeah. So, so, <laughs> but you have to say it like that. <laughs> so we're going to go like, it's like, but up, 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 like the kind of like a uh, um, Morse code thing from, oh, the, from like yeah. a World War II newsreel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we go, but up, up, but up, 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 ladies. Can we do it all together? Sure. But up, up, but up, 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 ladies. Oh, okay. So I'll read a prompt and then <laughs> you'll hit them with their punchlines and I'll spring in. A, we've prepared extremely insightful, penetrating, hilarious, masculine jokes. <laughs> Because we didn't know what I was supposed to be doing while I was sitting here during girl news. (laughs) All right. A number of Democratic states have begun stockpiling the abortion pill Mifepristone after a federal judge in Texas invalidated the FDA's 23-year-old approval of the drug. Leave it to the Supreme Court to turn liberals into survivalists. And for all the ways that women are increasingly being oppressed by state governments, there's actually nothing more hot girl chic than buying a bunch of medicine and refusing to throw it away even after it's long since expired. (laughs) You heard it here first, ladies. Abortion bunkers are the new shiplap. Watch out. (laughs) Chip and Joanna Gaines. Ladies. It's fantastic. Herschel Walker is wondering, is this just for states or can anyone get in on it? All right, and here I have one of my I have one of my jokes for men. (laughs) Much like women, Democratic states be shopping. Ladies, (laughs) but but, 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 ladies, 
In the first six months after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, more than 66,000 individuals were unable to get an abortion in their home state, according to a new report by the Society of Family Planning. Fortunately, all of those people can purchase firearms to do the trick for them. <laughs> Ladies! Ladies! I'm sorry, but this is unacceptable. We can't have this many women on the interstates. Stranger Things star ladies. Ladies. ladies Stranger Things star Millie Bobby Brown and Bon Jovi's son Jake Bon Jovi hinted that they may have gotten engaged. Ah, uh, 19 is way too young to get married. Personally, when it comes to appropriate nuptial ages, I think whoa, we have waited. They told me to sing. That I was never really good. sing for it was, anyone. It was really good. Hey, you did. I thought really I'd good. save it for a podcast. Ladies, they also hinted that there won't be an official announcement until after they can think of a better celebrity couple name than Brown Jovi. <laughs> Brown Jovi. Ladies. Ladies. <laughs> Brown Jovi. <laughs> I guess I'm just like if you're not gonna name him Son Bon Jovi. But up, but up, but up, ladies. History was made in New York as former elementary school teacher Kathleen Karate was appointed to the city's first director of rodent mitigation. She's been tasked with curbing the rat infestation and winning the city's war against the overwhelming rat population. And you know what they say, behind every great Manhattan is a great woman Hatton. <laughs> She's breaking the glass ceiling and immediately finding a super colony of rats stuck living in the attic. I guess some women really can have it all. <laughs> in response, the rats of New York have hired Pizza Rat to do a series of PR promos raising awareness about the surge in ratsist <laughs> rhetoric in 2023. <laughs> rats have been given notice to leave the city by the end of the year or enroll in vocational training at SUNY Ratatouille. Okay, so now it's just the McDonald's. (laughs) It's now the McDonald's song. All right, and now here I have one of the jokes for men. I've said it before. There's no place in society for unmarried women over 30, but I stand corrected. There is, and it's fighting rats in the street. (laughs) Karate said in her press conference, you'll be seeing a lot of me and a lot less rats. That sounds suspicious. Is she just like a bunch of rats in a suit? <laughs> Aparna helped me write that one. I like that. But up, up, but up, up, ladies. Ladies. Senator Tammy Baldwin, the nation's first openly LGBTQ senator, announced on Wednesday that she'll be running for a third term to represent the state of Wisconsin. I can't think of any headline I'm happier to read than lesbian looking for a third. <laughs> hey, someone has to be gay for Wisconsin. <laughs> According to Vanity Fair, one of the terms of Jerry Hall's divorce from Rupert Murdoch is that she cannot leak details of said divorce to the writer of HBO's Succession. Murdoch is still trying to figure out how this show learned he died. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> well, 
As a woman, I'm pissed off that Rupert Murdoch would limit his ex-wife's freedom of speech. But as a woman in the entertainment industry, I'm even more pissed off that Rupert Murdoch doesn't understand the final season of Succession wrapped months ago. (laughs) What kind of dumbass, all-powerful media mogul are you? You think Jesse Armstrong is still tinkering in final draft? You think they'd let episode three air if they were still breaking episode eight? Grow up! Ladies. The United Nations says it's reviewing its presence in Afghanistan after the Taliban barred women from working at the country's UN branch, a decision the United Nations calls unacceptable and unlawful. Those are some pretty weak descriptors. I would have probably gone with sausage fest. <laughs> Because, you know, groups of men um, (laughs) (laughs) historically come up with the best ideas. True, true, true. But up, up, but up, ladies. Ladies. In an interview about her new book, California Congresswoman and single mom Katie Porter said that people have told her you can't do this job without a husband. That is true about one job and one job only, and that's co-hosting a house-flipping show on HGTV. Feels like we're at a Seder. (laughs) Ladies. Dianu. Dianu. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-bub, Dianu. Dianu. And finally, Nancy Pelosi suggested Wednesday that calls for Senator Dianne Feinstein to resign were sexist, saying, I've never seen them go after a man who was sick in the Senate that way. You know, I actually do believe it is sexist. Um, Mitch McConnell's been dead for years. (laughs) And he's still there. And he's still there. uh, That's true. That sucks. Wow, that Diane, she's really putting the she in shingles. <laughs> that was the best one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. love that one. <laughs> this segment went, I would oh. say, twice as well as I thought it would. Uh, yeah, for sure, for um, sure. This is, a, this is a weird episode. I, I can see that now. Sometimes that happens. Here comes Malcolm, and this is going to be a card that tells me, keep going. Okay. <laughs> is that what it says? I'm going to just. Kendra I'm, I'm going to hand this card to Aparna, and Aparna, you're going to read it. Okay. 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 <laughs> it says, FYI, Joe <laughs> left. <laughs> Damn. Aparna, Blair, and Jenna will stick around for the wear wheel. Jenna's book, Not Funny, Essays on Life, Comedy, Culture, etc. is out on April 18th. You can pre-order Aparna's book, Unreliable Narrator. And you can see Blair's show, Blair Saki, and a few friends on April 27th at The Lyric. When we come back, it's time for the rant wheel. And we're back! Uh, the last item in the auction was um, a Lenny Riefenstahl movie where a bunch of people tell Hitler his art is good. <laughs> You've heard it here already. Love it or leave it is going on tour. <laughs> we're bringing the Errors tour to San Francisco and tickets sold out fast for the June 23rd show. So we're adding a second show on Thursday, June 22nd. So get your tickets today at crooked.com slash events. Also, Love It or Leave It is nominated for Best Live Podcast Recording at this year's Webby's. Uh, based on tonight's episode. And voting is open to the public until April 20th at 11.59 p.m. Well, that seems like too much detail. Anyway, vote at the Webbies. And the website's impossible. Just Google vote Webbies. Insert quippy non-begging sentence. (laughs) Done. (laughs) And we're back. Please welcome back to the stage Joe Montaigne. (laughs) Oh... 
Jenna. Yeah. Can you tell us about your book? I'm excited about it. Oh, um, it's a, a book about comedy and the culture surrounding it. The question that you asked about like older comedians kind of veering to the right, I actually talk a little bit about that in the book in a chapter about cancel culture. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in comedy and uh, issues relating to feminism, but more something, I wish I could say something just more marketable, you know, then... Um, Something that would make you want to buy the book. If you're interested in Joe Montaigne's life story, <laughs> um, this is the book to buy. I talk about Prince Harry from the first-person perspective of his time in the um, royal family. Oh, that's a really that's cool. That's, that's super great. popular. Yes, that's so super that's popular. what the book's about. Yes, yeah. it's called Joe Montaigne: A Life. Parentheses. <laughs> also, what it was like for Prince Harry yes. to have a weird dad. Yes, mm-hmm. that's cool. Aparna, how much of your book uh, dives into uh, the royal family? Um, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly f- from the babies' perspectives. <laughs> All the new babies is sort of what their take is on all of it. That's cool. And the queen mostly. It take ends it, with the queen. It ends with the queen. And the she take dies. is too bright. <laughs> the take is too, too bright. Blair, no book? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to bring it up, but... Yeah, no book yet. If any is Random House here. Um, Probably got an offer drafted up after this segment, but... Yeah, I'm sure sure the offer's on its way to me. Pretty soon. Blair Saki, Brown Jovi. Yeah, Brown Jovi, Blair Saki. Blair Saki, Brown Jovi. Now it's time for the rant wheel. This week on the wheel, we have Woke Nintendo. The time Sebastian Maniscalco hosted the 2019 VMAs. Shoes that won't stay tied. Breakups. Yogurt. The dumbing down of America. That one's Joe's. Uh, So I'll take it. Uh, The term pro-life in superhero costumes in film. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on shoes that won't stay tied. This, this feels personal to me because I have sneakers that won't stay tied. And first of all, why are we still tying shoes? They're like corsets for the feet. It's like if each of your foot was a little Victorian woman waiting to be bustled up. And also, shouldn't we be past lace technology? Like, shouldn't we have the shoe equivalent of Teslas now where you just download an app and then a little thing covers your foot like an Iron Man outfit? And then the founder of shoe Teslas buys TikTok and ruins it. And sorry to victim blame myself, but I never learned how to tie my shoes properly. I still do the bunny ears. Oh, oh, and so does our nice producer to my right. And because I do that, I hide on the street when I have to tie my shoes. I put my coat over my body. And I don't need to be doing that 14 times a day. And lastly, the only purpose of laces is to stay tied. If they're not tied, they can't be called laces. They should be called shoe snakes. Thank you. Thank you. It is strange that... Velcro's just like, nope, that's for losers. You can't have Velcro unless you're a baby. Well, goo goo ga ga. <laughs> Let's spin it again. 
It has landed on the dumbing down of America. This has got to stop. Let's spin it again. Yeah, sorry guys, I'm gonna have to take this one. It's landed on yogurt. Yeah, yogurt as a food is bad. Uh, it's cherry flavored snot. The consistency is something that would come out of a pussy that is unwell. Also, it should be illegal to eat yogurt in public in front of me. I should never be forced into a scenario where I'm trapped to watch you unselfconsciously lick a blob off a spoon. That's entrapment, assault, and battery. I've never seen a food lack more dignity. I've never seen something with less appeal. Oh, you have acidophilus? Big deal. It's never saved anyone's gut. It's everyone holds it up like it's a miracle health food when it's not. Charlatan. Like cranberry juice for the UTI? Yogurt has never helped one person one time. Yogurt is disgusting. Oh, good bacteria? More like bacterial vaginosis. Yo, play, you're sick. Some people don't think I'm tough, but what they don't know is that one time in fourth grade, uh, my dad forced me to eat two yogurts as punishment for not eating the first one. So then I ate both and threw them up on his feet. Um, (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I stood up to my dad, okay? Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Thank you. Sounds really hard. Yeah. It's really a gross yogurt. Yeah. Let's spin it again. <laughs> I didn't understand the premise of this bit. So uh, this is the term pro-life. Yeah, You're- no, I know. I know. It's I don't have a funny thing about it. I just wish that it would die. I think we need to kill the term and I feel now I'm pandering, you know? But yeah, I think the term pro-life should be buried in a very green cemetery, um, you know, next to like uh, Basquiat. There's a Greenwood Cemetery, actually, in Brooklyn. It's really beautiful. And I don't, I, I don't know why I'm getting into talking about cemeteries, but um, I've always uh, known I want to be buried there. <laughs> and like I'm dying on stage right now, so should the term pro-life. You know what I mean? It's time. It's time for it to go. I just think it's interesting that the term pro-life is a term you despise. I hate it because it's a misnomer, you know? Right. And yet you're burying it next to an artist like Basquiat. Who I love, but I'm thinking of the green... I'm, I'm riffing. I, don't, I didn't have anything prepared. Um, so we <laughs> no, can I think that's that. cool. We're going to cut that. No, I think it's cool. Oh. I think they're side by side. And everyone's like, this is the one we visit to be like, thank you. And this Thank one we you. Like, and this is... Shit. Fine. Pro-life should be buried on Trump's golf course next to like all of the rest of his wives for tax breaks. I don't know. Is that funny? That's good. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Let's spin it again. It has landed on breakups and uh, producer Brian has something to say. About Hi. <laughs> Here I come to say. Come on, Brian. As I was just telling my dear friend Tony Hawk, <gasps> I'm going through a breakup, uh, and I'm very sad about it, which I was expecting to be. 
but I'm also very mad because I'm so boring. Because usually I'm the most unique, wonderful boy there ever was, as you're always telling me. Sure. Uh, <laughs> like, every thought I have is unique, and it's never been thought before. And now every thought I have is, like, an Adele lyric, and I'm walking around like a fucking cliche and a chump. So I spend all day sad, and I then, like, judge my sadness. Like, I'm a fucking misery sommelier, giving it, like, tasting notes. <laughs> then I feel really vain, because I just think about myself all day. So I think about myself, and I think about myself, and then I think about myself. And then after this very show last week, I open up DoorDash for Flesh, Grinder, uh, <laughs> because I'm lonely. Uh, and I order myself a body, and we're smooching, and we're smooching, and we're smooching. And then mid-smooch, I find out he has my first and middle name. So fuck me, I guess. And I did. So I'm just crying constantly. And the things that bring me joy make me cry. Like Succession, for example. I order myself another body to come watch Succession. Theme song comes on. I'm crying. I'm like, oh no. Uh, I tell him it's allergies. But the only thing I'm fucking allergic to is being miserable all the time. Uh, I get it. Aw, sorry. Uh, I get it together. Logan dies. I start crying again. Because I also just lost a withholding monster. <laughs> and uh, tears do not work as lube. So I'm upset. Breakups are done. The next person that dates me will have to marry me or kill me. Because this is <laughs> the last one. Producer Brian, everybody. I hope that helped. I hope that helped you on your journey. Yeah, that was great. great. <laughs> Let's spin it again. It has landed on woke Nintendo, and uh, this is my rant, and the reason I put that there is, you know, obviously Disney has become this sort of cause on the right that they've gone to woke, you know, they've discovered that Ursula's queer, I don't know. They've gone around the bend, and now Disney is is going to fail and be attacked because Disney has given in to the woke mind virus, but not Nintendo, they say, the right-wingers. That's why they say the Mario movie, Mario, as you would say, <laughs> calm down. That's why the Mario movie is such a huge success, because it's the anti-woke Mario movie. Okay, and that's because... Nintendo has never done what Disney has done. Nintendo has never forced the homosexual agenda down our angry yet interested throats. <laughs> but that is just their ignorance about how gay Nintendo has been. I mean, obviously Nintendo can do better. Everyone can do better. But they just have no idea what has been going on inside of Nintendo for quite some time. Like the fact that, and I think we have an image, uh, the fact that uh, this, this is Vivian from uh, Paper Mario. And uh, Vivian is one of the three sisters who is a trans icon. And the reason we know that is this is the dialogue from the game. This is Vivian. We will defeat that Mario guy because we are the three shadow sisters. Marilyn, how can you define us as the three shadow sisters? You are a man, a man. Vivian, sorry, sister. It was my mistake. Sigh. Marilyn, I'm sure it wasn't just a mistake. You deserve a punishment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And later she reacts to Mario's kindness. Also, next clip. So this is the way in which you can accessorize in Animal Crossing in a way that is uh, gender nonconforming. They've allowed you to be gender nonconforming for a while. So they have succumbed to the woke mind virus. And then, the queerest of all, this is what happens when Link 
dresses as a woman in Zelda. They do a full. This is a. They play this in the sh in the game. They have a gay ass moment where Link is dressed as a woman, and guys hit on Link all over the Naruto Valley. It's non fucking stop. They're, the guys cannot. Their guys want to fuck Link so bad in that game. So the point is, Mario is succeeding because it's anti woke. It is succeeding because it is incredibly mind-numbingly stupid. <laughs> and Dungeons and & Dragons, which committed the sin of having a beginning and middle and an end, isn't doing as well. But it has really good jokes in it. <laughs> and that's my rant about the dumbing down of America. <laughs> all right, that's the rant we all. When we come back, we'll end on a high note. And we're back! Because we all need it, here it is, this week's high note. Hey, love, this is Beth from New Orleans. I love your show, and I listen to it every week. And I have not stopped re-listening to Brad Turbo, masculinity expert. So much so, um, in my work as a mental health therapist, I talk to a lot of my clients about unpacking where we learned about toxic masculinity and have referenced and referred them to watching Matt Rogers as Brad Turbo on your YouTube channel. So thanks for helping me help other people understand that masculinity is silly. Appreciate you. I love it. My, this is Marcus. My hand of the week is that Justin Jones has been reappointed to a seat in the Tennessee House. Um, and we expect um, Justin Pearson to get his seat back as well until there's a special election. Also, just learned that Vote Save America has donated money to the Tennessee Democrats. And I just learned from you guys that there is going to be a case that possibly will fix this gerrymandering in Tennessee. So with all the bad news that comes out of Tennessee, um, it's good that there is some good coming to us. And I also like that the nation has been able to see these two amazing men that represent Tennessee. And also, I'm still replaying the episode where you had Ari Shapiro on, because um, even though he is married, um, a gay man in Tennessee can dream. Thank you. Hey, love it. This is Mandy calling you from Seattle with my high note this week. I am a hospice social worker, and we just learned that uh, we are no longer required to wear N95s and face shields for each visit. And I'm so relieved. I'm really, of course, we're, we're still required to wear surgical masks, but I'm eager to connect a little more easily with my patients and their families. Um, thanks for all you do. I've already got my tickets for the November show. See you then. Bye. Hey, love it. This is Elise from Kansas. And my high note is that after almost two and a half years of trying and a miscarriage, my husband and I have a perfect baby who just turned six months old. We've been listeners the whole time. Um, love or leave it has existed, but your show helped us through uh, some rough spots. So thank you for the show. And it's my husband's 40th birthday on Friday. Happy 40th birthday, Jeffrey. You are a phenomenal dad, and I love you. Thanks, y'all. Thanks to everybody who sent us a high note tonight. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, call us at 323-538-2377. That is our show. Thank you so much to Jenna Friedman, Blair Saki, Joe Montaigne, and Parnan Anchorla. There are 570 days until the 2024 elections. Have a great night. Thanks for coming out and have a great weekend.
Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our executive producer. Brian Semmel is our producer. And Malcolm Whitfield is our associate producer. Holly Keeper is our head writer. Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Gunalan, Peter Miller, Rebecca Kaplan, Alan Pierre, and Chandler Dean are our writers. Bill Lance is our editor. And Kyle Seglin and Stephen Cologne are our audio engineers. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Caroline Haywood, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and to our digital producers, Zuri Irvin, Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroot for filming and editing video each week so you can. You can find those glorious videos at our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at Love It or Leave It podcast. Who do we have to kill to get that name? Subscribe to Love It or Leave It on YouTube for access to video versions of your favorite segments and other exclusive content. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on IG and Twitter. And if you are as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.